Welcome to The Real Deal on Drugs. It's great to be with you. If you've heard me speak at your school, you would already know that I'm not here to lecture or tell teens what to do. At some point, everyone has to make their own decisions about what they choose to do or not to do in this area. But it's important that whatever decision is made, it's based on the best information possible. Anyone can listen, but it's important to remember that what is being talked about is done so with young people in mind. As always, if you have friends who haven't heard me before, and you think they'd be interested in what I'm going to be talking about today, you can share this podcast with them. Sometimes I'm asked whether I think what I do in schools actually works. Do my talks and my blogs and my Instagram posts actually make a difference? Well, firstly, it's really important to acknowledge that when it comes to underage drinking and other drug use, we're actually not doing too bad in this country. Due to media coverage of the high-risk drinking amongst young teens, sometimes we forget that there are growing numbers of Australian young people who choose not to drink at all. I know some people find that hard to believe, but every piece of research we have shows that the number of Australian young people who choose not to drink has actually increased over the years. It's also the same in other parts of the world. We're not totally sure why this has happened, but there it is. When it comes to other drugs, yes, there are some that have increased use in recent years, but for others, far less teens report ever using them. But when it comes to answering this question about whether what I do makes a difference, let's just stick with alcohol for the time being. I think why so many find it hard to believe that less teens are drinking is that some of those who do drink alcohol are likely to be doing it in a very risky way. Some in a much riskier way than in the past. This is not necessarily a big group, but they're a very obvious group. Everyone in their year group knows who they are. They're usually pretty popular and they tell everyone what they do, often posting their weekend's exploits on social media. They drink a lot and they drink it very quickly. And many of them are spirit drinkers, drinking things like vodka, whiskey, bourbon or rum. To be totally honest, I don't believe there is much that can be done to change this group's behavior. I don't think that me standing up and lecturing them about the dangers is going to make much of a difference. Telling them that their drinking could potentially cause great problems, even death, just isn't going to work. Realistically, most of them know at least some of the risks, but they don't particularly care because they're enjoying what they're doing. Their drinking may be helping them forget other problems or it makes them feel a part of their social group and more accepted by their peers. Let's be really honest here they might just be having fun. Whatever the reason, if we can't stop them doing it, the most important thing we need to do is to try to keep them as safe as possible. So do I believe what I do actually works? Well, I suppose it depends on what you mean by works. If you mean, do I think it stops young people from drinking? As I've already said, most probably not in most cases, But do I think that some young people actually use the information I give them to look after themselves and each other? Absolutely. I don't have any hard evidence to support this apart from the countless emails I have received from young people all over the country who say that they have done just that. Now I know there are some young people who think that my little tips like it's water time and a fistful of food are a bit of a joke. But you know, even if that's the case, they still remember them. If that means that just once in a while, one of those risky drinkers who say they found my talk boring or they slept through it or whatever, 
if they just simply have a glass of water at the beginning of their night out, subconsciously and without thinking about it, then you know what? It's made a difference. And that's all I can hope for. Well, this is going to be a really interesting episode because I'm going to be talking about an issue that at the moment is affecting almost every school I visit right across the country, and that's vaping. Now, right at the start, I want to make it clear that this is a very new phenomenon. And as a result, we're still learning so much about it, particularly when it comes to young people in vaping. But I'm gonna do my best to tell you what we do know. Vaping is the use of electronic or e-cigarettes. Although similar devices had been previously available, it was in 2003 that a Chinese pharmacist developed the first e-cigarette in an attempt to provide an alternative way to inhale nicotine, the drug found in tobacco. He was looking for a way to remove the most dangerous thing about the use of cigarettes. That is, you smoke them. Put really simply, you burn a cigarette and create burnt matter. This burnt matter or smoke contains tar and a range of toxic chemicals. You then inhale that smoke and tar and the like. That then collects in your lungs and causes cancer. It's really basic. Everyone knows smoking causes cancer, smoking kills. What this pharmacist wanted to do, as I said, was to remove the smoke from a cigarette. And that's just what he did. Instead of burning a cigarette, creating smoke which contained nicotine, his device vaporized liquid containing nicotine, allowing the person to inhale a vapor or aerosol and not smoke. As a result, one of the greatest harms associated with the use of cigarettes had been removed. At the time, they were referred to as electronic nicotine delivery systems or ENDS, and they were developed and promoted as an effective way of quitting smoking. E-cigarettes, the term usually used for those devices that are designed to look like traditional cigarettes and other vaping devices, often just referred to as vapes, basically consist of three components. A battery, a heating element, often called a heating coil or atomizer, and a pod or cartridge that contains e-liquid. Some of the more sophisticated devices that are now available contain a whole pile of extra things, but those three components are the most important and really explain how a vape works. When someone vapes, the battery activates the heating component and turns the e-liquid into an aerosol or vapor. This is then inhaled, held in by the person vaping, and then exhaled, resulting in large amounts of aerosol being expelled. So let's get back to this e-liquid. This is one of the big issues around vaping for Australian teens because the evidence we currently have quite clearly shows that most young people are using the cheap disposable vapes that are accessed through social media or the internet. The vast majority of these brightly coloured multi-flavoured devices are made in China and there is little to no quality control. There is no way of you knowing with any certainty what it is that you are actually vaping. It's important to remember that when we're talking about vaping, we're not just talking about one thing here. The e-liquid that comes as part of a disposable vape or the products that are used to refill other vaping devices can be put into three main groups. Firstly, some of them are just a flavor and there are now more than 8,000 flavors available. So you could just be vaping cherry. 
Others contain nicotine, some being flavoured and others not. So you could be vaping strawberry nicotine. More recently, we've seen other substances now coming in an e-liquid form. The most popular of these would be cannabis, but a range of other drugs can also now be vaped. The reason this is important is that there are some young people who may want to experiment with vaping for whatever reason, but are not interested in using nicotine. When you vape, particularly when using the disposable varieties, there is absolutely no way that you can know what that liquid inside the pod, inside the device, actually contains. Some students I've spoken to weren't even aware that there was a liquid or even a pod inside. There have been studies of vape liquids that claim to be non-nicotine. That is, they either had labelling that explicitly said that they were non-nicotine or the drug was not listed on the packaging. When they were tested, they were found to actually contain the drug, some of them extremely high amounts. Now, if you want to vape nicotine, that is your choice. But when you're being told that all you're vaping is flavour, that's a problem. Nicotine is highly addictive. You've got to remember why vapes were first invented. That is to help people quit smoking because they had become addicted to nicotine. Ask any smoker who tried to quit the habit. They weren't necessarily addicted to the smoking. Nicotine was the problem. Vaping has removed the smoking problem for long-term smokers, but unfortunately, it has given young people access to an addictive drug that most of them would never have tried. Nicotine. Recently, I've been contacted by parents and even some young people who have asked me to help them in relation to nicotine dependence. One year 12 was struggling to get through even one lesson without craving nicotine. He'd been vaping for just over 12 months and had been expelled for refusing to stop vaping on school grounds. I've also been working with two 14-year-olds, both in year 8, who now wear nicotine patches because they became addicted to nicotine because of their vaping. Interestingly, none of these had ever been smokers. They'd all been introduced to nicotine through vaping. When I ask young people why they vape or have ever chosen to vape, I've never really got a particularly great answer. Some of those who do vape nicotine do say that they enjoy the head rush they get from the drug. Others say it's just something that they do socially and that everyone vapes. So I get it, there's a bit of social pressure to try it. Others enjoy messing around with the range of tricks that can be done with the vapor. I totally get that. Some of the things that you can find on YouTube that young people can do are incredible. The, uh, the trick called Ghost Inhale and the other, the Dragon's Tail, they're amazing to watch. I'm a lot older than you guys and I think they look pretty cool. I can't imagine what teenagers think. The other thing that I keep hearing is that it's safer than smoking and that just doesn't quite make sense to me. Yes, vaping may be safer than smoking, but what does that really mean? Getting hit by a car is most probably safer than getting hit by a truck, but would you want either of those things to happen to you? Just because one activity is possibly safer than another doesn't mean that it's a great idea to do it. It's really important to remember that it took us hundreds of years to find out about the dangers of smoking, and millions of people died over that time due to smoking-related illnesses. Vaping has only been around for less than 20 years, and we really have no idea about the long-term harms associated with the practice. Even the pro-vaping lobby, who fight very hard for vaping, state very clearly that teens should not vape. 
What I'm not going to do here is to list off a whole pile of harms that have been identified in research over the past few years. There are so many studies examining vaping and the results can be confusing. There are some that have found that e-cigarette vapor increases the risk of lung disease and damage and others that have found the opposite. There are some that say vaping exposes users to fewer toxic chemicals than conventional tobacco cigarettes, while others disagree. What we can say categorically is that there is no evidence to support that vaping is safe. That is, they are completely risk-free. You may have heard that there have been some deaths linked to vaping, and that's true, but I believe in being honest with young people, so we've got to tell the whole story here. Since 2019, 68 people have died and around 2,800 people have developed serious lung damage that was linked to their vaping. For a while, nobody could understand the cause. In fact, for quite some time, they were labelled mystery deaths. Why were these people who vape dying or becoming incredibly unwell and others weren't? This condition was eventually named EVALI, e-cigarette or vaping product use associated injury and it took some time for researchers to identify what caused the problem. In the end, it was discovered that those affected had all been cannabis vapors, and the pods containing the cannabis e-liquid had been contaminated with something called vitamin E acetate. That's the ingredient that led to the deaths and hospitalizations. As much as these deaths are highly unusual, what they do highlight is that when you purchase any vaping product, you can't ever be totally certain what it is that you are using. Now, there have been two other potential harms that have been brought to my attention by young people themselves. The first is exploding devices. To create the vapor, the device has to heat the e-liquid to a very high temperature very quickly. If the device is faulty, or in both the cases I've been made aware of, the battery is not the best, it can explode. These cases both involve the disposable vapes, one exploding in a young man's face, causing some real damage as the device shattered. The other caused significant damage to the young person's hand when the vape blew up as it was being passed to him. It caused quite a large cut, but the real damage was due to the very hot liquid, or almost oil as he described it, pouring out and burning his hand. You'll see lots of stories about exploding devices online, as well as quite horrific images that accompany them. Let's make it clear that these cases are highly unusual. People aren't blowing up all over the place, but it is a risk. The cheap disposable vapes are really problematic, particularly if you take the time to open one up and take a quick look inside. The quality of the battery that is used is extremely poor, and the components are actually held together by sticky tape. Yep, sticky tape. To create the vapor, these devices have to get very hot very quickly. As I've said, things can go wrong. The other issue that a couple of students have contacted me about is to do with their friends getting very sick after vaping. Reports of tremors, sweating, nausea and vomiting a few hours after and then sometimes feeling quite unwell for even the next 24 hours. Essentially what they were describing was nicotine overdose or poisoning. This usually happens to people who have never smoked a cigarette and are introduced to nicotine by vaping. It's quite difficult to explain, but essentially the nicotine used in e-cigarettes tends to be different to that in traditional cigarettes. Nicotine salt is used in most vapes and provides higher nicotine levels. 
Ask most people who've ever smoked and vaped, and they'll usually tell you that a vape gives them a far bigger nicotine hit. That's fine if you're used to nicotine. If you're not, like most Australian young people, you can feel quite unwell. So what's my final message when it comes to vaping? To be really honest, in 20 years time, after almost 40 years of studying the phenomenon, I could do another podcast and say that after all that research, we found that there are very few problems with vaping. Go for it. But there is also the possibility that in the next five years, we could discover some issue, whether it be a cancer, some sort of respiratory disease, or other health concern linked to e-cigarettes and the e-liquids that are used in them. We just don't know. Only you can make the decision about whether you vape or not. With most things, there is a whole pile of information available that you can use to help you make that decision. When it comes to vaping, we're talking about something so new that this information just isn't available at the moment. Sadly, we still have so much more to learn, and that makes it tough for you guys who are making choices in this area. Well, that's the end of another episode. As always, I'd love to get your feedback on what you've heard and whether you found it helpful. If you did, and you think someone you know may be interested in listening, make sure you share the podcast with them. If you have a question on anything to do around vaping or any other topic in this area, send it to me by email and I'll do my very best to get it on a future episode of The Real Deal on Drugs. Thanks for listening and stay safe.